I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Ahoy there, Kiki! Our Tuesday. It is our Talk Like a Pirate Day edition of the show. Avast there, me hearty. We're having a party. It's Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yo-ho! And we've got Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Last year, we took a look at the first Pirates film, it only makes sense to follow it up this year with the second Pirates film. I mean, we, we know the history of the Pirates franchise, how Disney wanted to make movies based on the rides, and <laughs> which gave us Haunted Mansion and Country Bears. And, and it's going to give us another Haunted Mansion movie soon. Are we talking about the Muppets one? Yeah. Yeah, Muppets Haunted Mansion. Which actually might be good, unlike the previous Haunted Mansion movie. And uh, they just announced all of the celebrities that are going to be in that one. And that is a slew of celebrities. Including Ed Asner, who we talked yeah. about a few weeks That's yeah. going to be a bittersweet moment when that when he shows up in that, in that special. Uh, and uh, strangely, they've also announced uh, Disney Imagineer is going to make a special appearance. Uh, did you see that? I did not. The 10th first ever gay character? Yeah, it's it's yet another, like, oh my goodness, Disney has broke ground by having its first gay character. And really, it's another one where they put in a single line where if you're squinting, they're gay, but if you're not looking for it, y- you'll miss it. Something that's easily edited out or dubbed over for a foreign release. And honestly, it is it is so obscure that if you're not looking for it, they don't even have to edit it out. Mm. Because I think it's something about the character says that he hasn't gotten married yet because his attentions have been lying in other directions. So, like, if you want him to be gay, he's looking, you know, the other directions are men. Uh, And if not, he's just been traveling the world or whatever, you know, it's like, so it's one of those that you don't even have to edit it out because you can easily go like, no, that's absolutely not what he's talking about. You know. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so Pirates, big hit. So of course you're going to do a sequel. And this one... It's it's such a big hit that now they've decided we're just we're just making this a full series now. Yeah. And they decided to film two sequels back to back and have a storyline that encompasses these two sequels. Very much like uh, Back to the Future or something like that. 
where they shoot two sequels back to back and the one storyline between the two films. Uh, yes, I can't... it feels kind of weird doing this movie because it's not even a, a fully self-contained plot. I mean, we did do uh, Empire Strikes Back, and that also ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So we'll just have to come back to this next year on Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> so, come back next year if we're, st- if we're still here. We might finish this plot line. <laughs> so, do you remember watching this movie in the theater? Because I remember watching this movie in the theater. I... Uh, have I seen any of the Pirates movies in the theater? I didn't see the first Pirates movie in the theater because I, I was I... sure it was going to suck. And then I heard people say it didn't suck, so I got it on, like, you know, Redbox or whatever. Mm-hmm. I may have seen this one in the theater, but I can't remember. I remember seeing the third one in the theater. I know I saw the third one in the theater. I yeah, may the third the one, one I saw. Yeah, the third one I definitely saw in the theater. I can't remember if I saw this one in the theater or not. But yeah, I mean this this did make the money though. It was the top grossing film of t- 2006. Maybe just based off the hype of the first film, but who knows? Yeah, I started watching this, and I said to my friend, I. Do you not remember anything about the plot of this movie? Like, I was watching the start of the film. And, you know, she's standing there in the wedding dress in the rain in that first scene. And I went, wow, I do not remember anything about this movie. And then it gets a couple of scenes in. And, like, once you get to the Johnny Depp parts... You know, like, once Captain Jack's in the the picture, and I went, oh, yeah, I remember this movie now. Yeah, right? That's exactly, because the first, what, half hour, 45 minutes, which is all Will and Elizabeth, it's not very memorable. Yeah, I did not remember this movie at all until you get to Captain Jack. And everyone, I mean... That was a lot of that was the reason a lot of people were seeing these movies. Johnny Depp is kind of a little controversial these days, but back then, Johnny Depp was like the guy to have in your movie, and everyone I wanted really, Johnny. Sorry, I I I didn't mean to interrupt, but I really don't think it's it's Johnny Depp or Captain Jack necessarily that because I love Orlando Bloom. I love Keira Knightley. I, I, I do. They're both excellent actors, and I would watch them in stuff. Honestly, I was watching the first movie more for Orlando Bloom at the time. And that was right around uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely adored him as an actor at the time. But I had cooled on Johnny Depp by the time of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him, and then he started doing weirder things, and he kind of lost me in his career at that point. But I was really, really into Orlando Bloom and his choices he was making as an actor at the time. So I was watching more for him when I watched the first movie. So when it got to the second movie, I was down to watch Orlando Bloom carry the movie. But I think the problem comes with the writing in the first part of the movie. The villain 
is not very compelling. Depends on who you're calling the villain. Well, the villain in the first part of the movie. Uh, Beckett. Yeah, the the East India Company guy. We do not know his purpose until we get introduced to the secondary villain, the real villain. Davy Jones. In Davy Jones. I'm a believer, not that Davy Jones. (laughs) But because they're saving the reveal of Davy Jones, they can't set up Beckett as a real threat. He's just generic business villain, man. Business villain, yeah. And I mean, the thing is, a lot of the new the new characters we meet in this movie, they were all mentioned in the first film. Some of them are very offhandedly mentioned, like Davy Jones is an obvious one, Bootstrap Bill, um, and Beckett is also mentioned, but we never see him. And then when, but if you're not paying attention in that first film, by the time you get to the second movie and everyone's acting like they know who Beckett is, like who's this guy? It's very weird. Well, yeah, and honestly, when we watched the first film, we didn't know there was going to be a sequel yet. You kind of know now that if a movie does well enough, a studio will wring a sequel out of it come hell or high water. Yeah, I mean, they get to announce a Cruella sequel. Which I am down for. I really liked Cruella. I may be the only person in the world that really liked Cruella, but I really liked Cruella. I will kind of defend that movie, okay? Yeah, I mean, we we get it now that Disney will absolutely force you to watch a sequel to anything that makes a buck. But at the time, we didn't get that there was going to be a sequel. There wasn't anybody standing there being like, pay attention, kids. This is going to be important later. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, yes, this is what? This is 2006, right? Yeah. So uh, Iron Man wouldn't come out for another two years to prepare us in the Marvel way of storytelling. Yeah, I mean, we weren't ready for cinematic universes. Yeah. So, and, and Davy Jones is just a thing that gets mentioned in every nautical movie. As well Especially as the flying pirate Dun- movies. Especially the Flying Dutchman and everything like that. Though, can you imagine if it, if you were like a young person who grew up with SpongeBob and hearing the Flying Dutchman in this movie and it's not what you thought it was? Yeah. But that kind of proves my point, though, is, you know, anything that mentions the ocean, you're going to hear things like Davy Jones and Flying Dutchman and the Kraken. And, you know, you're not really expecting them to become major plot points. The Kraken himself wouldn't become a meme till four years later with that remake of Clash of the Titans. Release the Kraken! Yeah. So, you're not really expecting these things to show up. It's just pirate jargon. Yeah. Um, you know, Avashi Mates, the Dead Man's Chest, and Davy Jones, and Kraken, and whatnot. Let's send them to Davy Jones' locker, boys! Yeah. Um... So, when they say things like, you know, well, you know, 
Lord Cutler Beckett sent me here to do things for the East India Company. It's kind of just the patois of the time. And then, like, they show up in the next movie, and you're like, oh, oh, were we supposed to be taking notes? Because I'm kind of failing this test. So, um, let's let's go really quickly over our kind of three actors who show up that are going to be important in the, the next couple of movies. Um, in this uh, Cutler Beckett role, we've got Tom Hollander. Uh, he's mostly... Before this, he kind of has just been important in British films. Uh, shows up in Gosford Park, Pride and Prejudice, uh, the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice, uh, for those keeping up with their uh, Jane Austen adaptations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so a lot of theater work. Um a lot of kind of BBC stuff, uh, everything. He also, uh, more recently has been in the, uh, Andy Serkis version of, uh, Mowgli Legend of the Jungle. And he played, uh, Queen's manager, Jim Beach in that, uh, biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. If you saw that, we have the, character of Tia Dalma that becomes really important over the next couple of movies and she's played by Naomi Harris who people might remember uh, from 28 Days Later that's the first thing I saw her in she was Selena the woman that finds uh, Killian Murphy and uh, kind of teams up with him. And then if you watch the Bond series, she's the current Money Penny. Uh, Bond's secretary or M's secretary uh, in there. So if this new Bond movie ever comes out. <laughs> well, she's been in previous ones, but yeah, she's she's supposed to be in the, the new one as well. Um and then, as Davy Jones himself, we have the absolutely amazing Bill Nye, who I just I just love him whenever he shows up. So, a lot of people remember him in Love Actually. He was Billy Mac, the kind of aging rock star uh, that promises to play in the nude if he gets the Christmas number one. Uh, and then he is in the, um, Simon Pegg, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, you know, those, those films, um, as well. Uh, he just, he's in everything lately and I love it cause I, I adore him whenever he shows up, but, uh, does really well in these movies. Um, kind of different voice he's using. He does his his accent a little different for Davy Jones. Straight up unrecognizable underneath whatever. I don't know if it's prosthetics or all CG or what. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they did. I mean, there's obviously a lot of CG. 
With the tentacles, yeah. Yeah, the tentacles are, are definitely CG, but I don't know if they did. I think most of it is probably CG, but I don't know if he was wearing like a, you know, the the dots like you see for you know Andy Circus or if they did like a blue screen kind of thing over his face or what um I haven't really seen a lot of behind the scenes footage of how they achieved that effect but I'm going to tell you it looks gorgeous it holds up amazing for early 2000 CG we've talked I mean we talked about like the Hulk movie and how that CG hasn't aged very well the all the CG a lot I'm not going to say all I'm going to say most of the CG in this movie has held up amazingly. Yeah, the character makeup uh, effects that they did for all the sailors on Davy Jones' ship. Yeah, there's a lot of prosthetics with some of the crew with like shells and starfishes on their face. And there are a few that you can tell are obviously CG characters. One that look 90% fish. Yeah, they all look CG, but they all look really, really good CG. Yeah, it again, it it holds up amazingly well. Um, this is a very effects heavy movie, and the effects still really, really good. And I believe they actually won the Oscar for that, which well deserved. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, good stuff. Um. Yeah, I just looked it up, and apparently, um, motion capture tracksuit and dots all over his face uh, for Bill Nye. So, yeah, it was it. It's if you've ever seen pictures of Andy Circus and and what he looked like doing Gollum, it's that uh-huh. kind of yep. ping pong ball and you know those freckle dots all over his face and stuff. Yes, same kind of stuff. So Bill Nye was on set. They were able to uh, act opposite him. But um, he was uh, in a in a mocap mo- suit. I mean, that's got to be an odd picture. You see all of these uh, actors in pirate gear, and here's this guy in pajamas and dots on his face. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but but it's better than having the actor against a blue screen and away from the other actors, though. Yeah, they, they'll have someone to act off of. Yeah. And he'll, he will also have someone to act off of. Yeah, so um, that's, that's pretty, pretty good for that being entirely CG creation. Uh, really, really amazing. Um... Uh, apparently the, the stuff for, um, Stellan Skarsgård, who is an addition to the cast, we've talked, we've talked about him before, uh, in Thor. Um, he. Bootstrap Bill Turner. He was apparently given, um, prosthetics initially. And they were going to augment it with cg um but apparently they got rid of the cg and just went completely um prosthetic prosthetic after that i i believe Hmm. uh they thought it looked better 
because he was supposed to be one of the newer additions to the crew and still mostly human. So they just just gave him prosthetics. It looked good. Yeah, he he looked he looked really good as well. Um and great performance out of him. You really get the feeling that this guy, he's just a father that wants to protect his son. At f- at first when he's dealing with with Jack, mm-hmm. you get the feeling that he he dislikes his fate, but he realized that he made his choices. He's going to serve his time, and then he's going to move on to whatever comes after. It's never said what happens after service. Because well, they, they, they say 100 years servitude to Davy Jones. Do you just die after that? Are you free to go about your way? Well, Jones says delay the judgment. So presumably after that, you die. So you're given 100 years of extra life as you are dying. Yeah, then, kind of in a in a purgatory-ish kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what the crew thinks this will accomplish. Like, if they think... Maybe they they're just not ready to die, you know. Yeah, and people will do crazy things when on death's door. And, and and I think that's what Bill is telling Jack when he says that. Like, you know, people will do anything to escape their fate. You know, like he, uh, his story is well, what what he says is it's after the mute because he was originally on the Black Pearl. And after the mutiny, after they took over from Jack, he was the one that felt remorse. And his payment for remorse was being loaded into a cannon and shot into the water. But remember that he was cursed with the gold, too. So he would never have died, yeah. He he would never have died. So I think his idea was, I will serve Davy Jones for 100 years. And after a hundred years, I can finally die. But then the curse got lifted, thanks to his son in the last movie. Yeah. Um. So he's still under he's still under the the you know servitude to to Davy Jones at the beginning of the movie, but it's still. I'll serve my hundred years and then I will die. And I think that's kind of all he wants. He just wants it to end. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you you feel for the guy. I mean, the- he even says it in the movie when he meets up with Will that, you know, I want to say that I did it for you. But really, I did it for myself, the whole piracy thing. Like, he really just wanted to be a pirate. You know, he could have made up some BS. Like, I, you know, kind of like in Princess Bride, I became a pirate to gain treasure. And I will give you a great life. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to BS you. I did it because I wanted to. Yeah. 
you know, we're we're going free form with this one. Uh, this is a two and a half hour movie. If we go scene by scene, we'll be here all day. Yeah, just just sit back and enjoy the ride for this one. This this movie is very bizarre and very complicated. And if if you've seen it, you know where we're going with this because this movie starts a chain of events in the Pirates movie that will take up the next four films. Pretty much. Because you, um, you have Jack here. Let's, let's kind of go with Jack for a minute here. Jack, we find out that the reason Jack has the pearl to begin with is if he made a deal with Davy Jones to get the pearl. Now, Jack didn't count on getting mutinied, but he made a deal with Davy Jones for uh, give me the pearl for, for 13 years and then I will serve you. And uh, time's up. That was the entire reason uh, Bootstrap Bill came to Jack in the first place, saying, uh, yeah, your time is up, and gives him the black spot. Another pirate lore bit, from what I've heard. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, because it showed up in Treasure Planet. Uh, yeah. And a little bit in, in Swiss Family Robinson. That you know the the black spot meant death you know you're you're being hunted um in this one it's more mystical davy jones has marked you with the black spot and that's the symbol for the kraken to find you it's like a homing beacon for the kraken mm -hmm. but jack's uh jack argues that the deal was not kept jack argues that he was supposed to have 13 years as captain of the Black Pearl. He only got two years as captain of the Black Pearl. There was a mutiny. And he only recently reacquired the Black Pearl. And Davy Jones says, no, no, no. That means that you were a bad captain. And still I still kept himself. my hand to the bargain. Yeah, and he said, well, didn't you go around for the last 13 years calling yourself Captain Jack Sparrow? Yeah, correcting I mean, people when I mean going back into in this movie and the first, whenever someone just calls him Jack, he's spots Captain Jack Sparrow. So for 13 years, he's been calling himself a captain. That's enough for the deal. Well, and and you know, Davy Jones may have a point. He never promised Jack that he could keep the pearl. I mean, a Piracy is a cutthroat business. Yep. Even an you undead know? even an undead squid pirate. Uh, you know, you you keep what you can defend or take by force. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is kind of the pirate code. And Jack could not keep or defend the pearl. So, eh? If Sparrow had said, had not insinuated he would be called a captain for the last 10 years of that deal, it probably still wouldn't have worked with, with Jones, but at least he had an argument. He, he could have an argument, you know? Yeah, perhaps. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that uh, there is a 
a point in the deal where Jones says, uh, you know, he's bargaining and he says, what is my soul worth to you? Oh, you yeah. know, I'll trade you something, my one soul versus whatever you want. A soul for a soul. You know, yeah, he tries to trade him Will Turner's soul. I'll give you this. I'll give you Will Turner in service. Uh, for my soul, and he he says, you know, surely he's got to be worth ten of me. You know, uh, Will is much better person than me. Uh, and Davy Jones says, no, ninety nine. Well, he already he originally says one hundred, but since you already brought me one, you well, only have yeah. to bring me ninety nine more. Um, and. He gives Jack three days to bring him 99 souls in service to, to make up the 100. Now, there is a deleted scene from the next movie, but I, I want to talk about it here because it's this movie that it really comes, and it's deleted from the series entirely. Um, this number comes from somewhere. And they never really talk about how Jack and Davy Jones first met to make this deal. It's kind of been deleted from the series entirely. But apparently, uh, and they never really talk about how Jack ended up being branded a pirate in the first place. They did do a series of books called Young Jack Sparrow that kind of tried to explain it. I've never read them, though. Yeah, well, the the story has kind of been circulated on the internet and, you know, the deleted scenes have kind of been, you know, talked about and stuff. Um, I may get some of the minor details wrong, but the broad story is, is that Jack apparently used to work for the East India Company. I believe that is mentioned at some point. And Jack was at one point stationed on a ship that was carrying slave enslaved people um, across the passage uh, from from Africa to the the caribbean or the the americas um and jack, i think they were caught in a storm or something but somehow the flying dutchman came for their souls and Jack basically bargained for the souls of the enslaved people on the ship and his own. And I don't remember exactly how he won the deal, but he, he basically got the ship out of danger and bargained for the black pearl and made the deal with Davy Jones. So it was 99 or 100 slaves that he bargained for, and that's where the number comes from? Yeah, and because he 
because the ship was lost or whatever, and Jack ended up showing up alive later, and the cargo, quote-unquote, of the trip ended up showing up alive later, Jack was branded for piracy. As having stolen Goods. the people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jack basically considered it like, I didn't steal people. I I set them free, you know? I didn't steal goods. I freed people. And he wasn't going to work for the East India Company anymore because they were dealing in slaves. Um, and he, It kind of shows that Jack really is a good person underneath all of that. At least yeah, at, at some and level. So it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that Jack turned to piracy because he was a greedy, you know, cutthroat, bloodthirsty kind of guy. It was that he was branded a pirate because he refused to be a part of the slave trade. And that he made the deal with Davy Jones to save not only his life, but the life of a group of enslaved people. Mm -hmm. um, and it was basically cut from the film series. And I kind of hate that because it kind of does. I, I guess they wanted to go more. Uh you know, anti-hero with him, but I kind of wish they would have kept it. Mm. Maybe uh, maybe it was something that not even, you know, not even Disney wanted to touch on slavery, you know? But, you know, they kept things like the, uh, here's a tribe of cannibal people. I found myself wondering why this doesn't get a uh, hey, this contains weird cultural depictions yeah. In it. So yeah, as as after getting the black spot, Jack runs. He says his crew to get as far away from sea as possible. He's only he, safe on land. Yeah, because because the kraken will attack in deep water, so he has to stick to the shallows or land. And they end up on an island full of cannibals, which apparently sees Jack as their god. Yeah, there's just a whole lot of problematic in this. Uh, let's get back to this. Let's go to, to, to Will and Elizabeth. <laughs> we'll come back to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Will, and, Will, Will and Elizabeth have found themselves... Uh, arrested for freeing uh, Jack in the last movie. <laughs> yeah, arrested by the East India Company. Okay. On their wedding day. On their wedding day. Before they're able to get married, the sol the soldiers of the East India Company sh show up. This is where Beckett comes in. Apparently, uh, they they first address him as Commodore Beckett and said, no, I'm Lord Beckett now, which means he's, uh, the short version is he's now in charge of the East India Trading Company. And he wants something. He is He arrests Will and Elizabeth for freeing Jack Sparrow. But is willing to let them go if Will uh, retrieves something for Beckett. That being Sparrow's compass. Which in the last movie, we were told that the compass leads to the cursed treasure that made them all into zombies and skeletons under the moon. That stuff. 
But we learned a little bit more about the compass in this film. That it doesn't just do that. It points in the direction of what the holder wants most. Which is a problem for Jack. Apparently Jack is very indecisive at the beginning of the movie. As the compass won't work for him. Yeah, he no longer knows what he what he wants. Um, Because he already has what he wants. He has the pearl. Yeah, he's just he's he's got the pearl. He's he's the captain again. Yay! He doesn't want anything, so the compass is not going to work on someone who doesn't want something. Yeah, and this, you know, Beckett guy, he wants the compass. For nebulous reasons. There's this whole thing where he sends off. Will to find Jack and he says. Tell Jack I'll give him. A full pardon. A a pardon as long as he goes back to working for. The East India Company. and, And all but he doesn't offer Will and Elizabeth anything which is weird. Yeah, we don't find that part out till later on. Like, there's only one pardon, and it's not for Will or Elizabeth. Yeah, um, so Will is gone, and he says bye to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's still in jail, and Elizabeth's dad is, you know, he tries to do a jailbreak, but he's caught, and Elizabeth escapes, but she goes to... Beckett and she's like you know at first at first Elizabeth tries to warn Beckett like you don't want that treasure I've seen what that treasure can do and, and he's Be- like oh yeah whatever curse that's fine I don't want the treasure anyway you know there's more things it can do yeah and then you're like okay but what what do you want like I, I- we don't find out what he wants until like two thirds of this movie <laughs> Because he wants Davy Jones' heart. Because if you have Davy Jones' heart, you control Davy Jones and the ocean. Which, all through this movie, is very nebulous. We never see it happen in the movie. So, yeah, he wants to control Davy Jones so he can use Davy Jones to get rid of the pirates. Which, spoilers for the next movie, because we never see it happen in this movie. Yeah. Which is a problem for this movie because we never know what this guy wants, really. I mean, we get that it's bad news that he wants to control Davy Jones. But we don't really feel it in any kind of real danger sense. That is the down point of making a two-part movie. Because... The, the the climax of these of these stories are not going to be felt until the last movie or the next movie. Yeah, this guy is really not a threat in this movie. He's just a jerk. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the next movie, he'll be a threat. Because he controls Davy Jones. Yeah, but in this movie, he's just a jerk. He's kind of a, you know, he's the guy that gets the ball rolling, but 
we're not really worried about him, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's kind of easily defeated by Elizabeth because she just kind of holds a pistol on him and then she walks out the door. So we're like, you know, I mean, Elizabeth's a badass. Like, I, n- no offense to Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I always got the feeling that, that, that Beckett let her, like, allowed her to leave. Like, he could have easily called the guards in as soon as she left. Like in retrospect, you feel that because like, of the threat he becomes in the next movie, like a, 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 a failsafe. Like if if Turner doesn't find Sparrow, Elizabeth will. Yeah, but watching this movie, try to try to take yourself back to watching this movie for the first time. We don't know that yet. So watching this movie for the first time, it just feels like she defeats him kind of easily. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And yeah, he ends up capturing her father, but she doesn't know that. And At any cap- point during this movie, she doesn't know that. And even that is kind of doesn't last long. Because he even uh, tells uh, Governor Swan here, yeah, I'll let you go and drop all the charges uh, if you work for me. Yeah, so that danger even kind of seems to pass quickly. And he does have a sort of assassin kind of dude that skulks around in the background. He doesn't really assassinate anybody. He's more like a spy, if anything. Well, no, he does assassinate the captain of the ship that Swan tries to get himself and Elizabeth away on. Mm. But that's the only guy we see him kill. And then he shows up at one point on Tortuga and kind of spies on Elizabeth and then comes back and reports. But that's about it. So he's you know, kind of threatening in the background in one or two scenes, but he only kills one guy and then he just kind of looks creepy. Yeah, and so Elizabeth, she sneaks down the ship, plays up uh, plays up superstitions and gets them to go take her to Tortuga because Sparrow always ends up back at Tortuga and she's going to wait for him there. <laughs> it's a good plan. And it's a funny scene. How she has the wedding dress and she turns it into a ghost and there's the 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 captain of that ship is saying, No, we don't have a ghost on the ship, we have a stowaway, and guys, she's probably naked. Yeah, I, these are really ridiculous goofball sailors. Yeah. So yeah. And she- they're so imperceptive that she sets up a whole thing where like she puts lamp oil on the deck to make it catch on fire and she knocks over a lantern and they totally miss that the deck of their ship is on fire and they're staring over the side of the ship into the water like oh it must be over here look for a sign and then she has to go like 
oh look what's this the ship is on fire you know it's like you kind of don't feel all that bad when these guys get eaten by the kraken you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um oh yeah pinto and regetti are still here they have uh they they survived in the last movie there's a little mm, attempt at them having some sort of redemption as uh, they're reading the Bible, saying, well, we're well, not immortal. one of them is. One, trying to read the Bible. <laughs> saying, well, we're not immortal anymore. We got to protect our immortal souls. But that's kind of thrown out as they immediately rejoin the Pearl. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they try to, oh, we need to get rid of the source of temptation for them. If we're going to be, you know, good Christian pirates. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, these guys are always weird, because everybody else is with Jack. And these two are always kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, everybody else is kind of like, oh yeah, Jack, we're your crew again. And these two are always kind of like stealing from him and running the opposite way i don't know so um let's get back to uh cannibal island because that's where will is as he is his as uh he's ended up there following jack yeah it's i i just want to mention really quick how will ends up there all right is that as he's trying to find jack he gets all these differing accounts of where Jack might be. So, yeah, Will ends up going to Tortuga first, because, again, Sparrow always ends up at Tortuga. And it is asking questions to every pirate on Tortuga, and he eventually finds where where Sparrow is. And the, the guy that finally gives him the correct tip says, yeah, I go to this island and I trade spices to the natives there who trade me that delicious long pork. And the question is, does this guy know what he's doing? Either he doesn't, or he does, and he doesn't want to admit it because he doesn't want to admit what he's selling and or eating. But, like, is he looking Is he looking at Will and going, like, I'm telling him what I'm doing to see if he's in on it and wants to buy some? Or is he going to become next week's product? <laughs> Or is he, yeah, is he the next guy? Or I think I'm buying a special type of pig that they grow on that island. Either or. I mean, he could probably very well know what the, what, what what's going on. And he's just bringing them fresh meat that he'll <clears throat> trade back for in a month. Yeah, I just, that's always, that's always what I've wondered about that dude. Yeah, I, I do not know. Uh, <laughs> because we later see the spices mm-hmm. that the dude has been trading the people. Like, uh, cause, yeah, because we see Sparrow kind of dousing himself in spices. 
yeah, he finds the thing of paprika. And he, uh, but so yeah, Will is on this island full of cannibals. They capture him and they show that their leader, their god, is Jack. Apparently, eunuchs are not good eating. I don't know why they wouldn't be. <laughs> I think it's 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 his way of trying to save Will. Well, yeah, I know, but I just wonder like why that is what he goes with. Um the uh but yeah, he he sends them and apparently they've got part of the the crew of the Pearl is still alive. Alive yeah. and in cages. Made up of the rest of the crew. Made up of the rest of the crew. And there's also some other people. Because uh, sa- Gibbs says that the cages that they're in were not made until after the crew hit shore. Yeah. Implying this is the rest of the crew. Yeah. Um, And there's another cage with some other people who are never named. I always assume that that's just other members of the crew. Yeah, maybe the uh, other unnamed members of the Pearl crew, yeah. I guess. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, Gibbs apparently says that they, they see Sparrow as their god, and they plan to free their god from his mortal prison by eating him. Yeah, and that's why Jack kept whispering to to Will, save me, save me. Um, so Jack is trying to figure out a way to prolong the ceremony while he figures out a way to escape. And the Pearl crew is trying to figure out a way to escape from these dangling cages, which is actually leads to a really good action sequence. Yeah. As they escape from Cannibal Island. Um, I, I really do kind of like this sequence. There's a lot of humor in it. Um, but it's mostly Not visual really, gags. I mean, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of comedy. Not something that could easily be described in words. Honestly. Yeah. I guess you watch this. Um, so the interesting thing is, is that, uh, as they've, they've gotten here, Pintel and Forgetti have brought the dog with the keys. That's apparently how they broke out of prison in between films. (laughs) Yeah, but they've brought the dog with the keys with them to Cannibal Island. This is a bit that has never made sense to me. Well, we see earlier that Governor Swan is trying to get Elizabeth out of jail, but they can't find the keys. He even says, where's the dog with the keys? And now we know where the dog is. Well, yeah, but the distance between all these islands, where they are, how they ended up there, the exact timeline is all a little fuzzy. So how these two weirdos ended up in a rowboat at this particular island with this dog is all a bit 
weird in my brain. You know? But somehow they end up there with the key dog. And all the humans escape the island, but the dog ends up there. And there's a weird end credit sequence where now the tribe worships the dog. I I don't think things are going to end well for the dog. Well, the thing is, is apparently the dog ends up fine throughout the series. And later we find out that the dog has some kind of, like, the dog used to be like Davy Jones' dog or something. I don't know. It's like there's something about the dog that they write into the storyline that the dog has like a grander purpose. Not purpose, but the dog has, like, a grander backstory. Okay. Yeah, it's... So we leave the dog on Cannibal Island (laughs) being worshipped as a god. Yeah. Not a bad life if you can get it. Yeah, apparently the dog ends up leaving the island on the backs of sea turtles. Which is how that joke... The running joke again... Yeah. Of, yeah, because in the first film, Jack said he escaped by s- sailing on sea turtles. Uh, Will says it again in this movie. Um, okay. And he he ends up uh, becoming the keeper of the, uh, the pirates' codex keys in Shipwreck Cove later. And yeah. Yeah, the dog just keeps showing up in these movies. Like, the dog never dies. It's just kind of constantly always there uh but yeah so jack ends up jack really wants this key all throughout the movie he has like a a drawing of this special key and he ends up going to taking will to see this woman named tia dalma who's an obeya princess that the key opens what they call the dead man's chest And the dead man's chest holds the heart of Davy Jones in it. And with it, if you have the heart of Davy Jones, you can kill Davy Jones or you can control Davy Jones. And she also gives us the backstory of Davy Jones, which is that he fell in love with a woman who was as fickle as the ocean. We later find out that she's literally the spirit of the ocean, the goddess of the ocean, Calypso. And spoiler alert from later movies she's also Tia Dalma so like cause, cause they say in this movie like we heard that he literally fell in love with the sea and she's like well there are many different stories and all of them are true like he literally fell in love with the ocean goddess who is the personification of the ocean and later she was trapped in human form and that's this chick and he said he was so heartbroken over leaving leaving his love on land because part of being the captain of the of the flying dutchman is you can only touch land once every 10 years and he was so heartbroken that he had to leave her for the sea that he cut the heart out of its chest and put it away and put it in this in this treasure chest and buried it away so he would never feel love again kind of extreme but uh we later find out in the other movie again spoiler for the next movie but this is just what they do to the captain of the Flying Dutchman. 
Like it doesn't matter who the captain of the Flying Dutchman is, they will have their heart cut out of their chest and they become the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, it it seems like a lot of this was like retconned as they wrote the other movies. Well, supposedly these two movies were written together. This was supposed to be these two movies are supposed to be watched back to back. But maybe there was a couple of rewrites and they had to figure something out. Yeah. This is where we find out that if you have the heart of Davy Jones, you control Davy Jones. And this is how we figure out like, oh, that jerk from the beginning of the movie wants the heart because then you would control the ocean and then he would be able to wipe out all the pirates and that must be his plan and then the east india trading company becomes the only trading company on the sea money 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 yeah anyway so then he meets he meets uh this is where he also meets up with uh davy jones because that situation uh, 99 souls so where uh yeah i uh, just want to say one thing about the tia dalma mm-hmm. uh scene this has my favorite line of the whole film uh which is uh she you know she says well you 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 want all this information you must have brought something to barter and jack pulls out a cage that holds a uh, monkey, monkey jack <laughs> and he goes look undead monkey bang <laughs> He's yes. like, that's got to be worth something, right? <laughs> and I just it, love his delivery of that line where he's like, look, undead monkey, bang. Because as we know, at the, the post-credit scene of the first film, Jack Jack the monkey went back, got a piece of the gold, and is once again under the curse. Yeah, because the, the monkey has... He, he wants to stay in that state. Like, the monkey likes being... Like, undead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the monkey made, made his choice, which I kind of dig. And, uh, Tia Dama also gives, uh, Jack dirt, the jar of dirt saying that again, uh, uh, Davy Jones cannot walk on land. So if you have land with you, you're safe. And the, the Kraken can't go on land. So Mm -hmm. land is gonna keep him safe. So here's here's a magic jar of dirt. So there I got you go. a jar of dirt. I got a jar of dirt. Yeah. Oh, that I remember when that 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 just was just a meme for like a year. Yeah. Uh. Um, but... Anyway, but um. So uh, Sparrow needs ninety nine souls, but uh, David Jones never said the condition of these souls. So, so back to Tortuga, where he gets back to gonna... Tortuga to find like the most pathetic people he can find. Yep, I've never been sailing on my life. Up, oh, you're you're hired. I got one leg and one arm. You're hired. <laughs> well, he's trying to find people that are kind of either like evil or near death or. You know, he finds a lot of, like, old people or... Disabled people, let's be honest. And one guy, yeah, that kind of sucks. One guy says, yeah, I only have one leg and one arm. And they hire him specifically because they know he's going to die. Yeah. 
and um, kind of skeevy to people that maybe aren't that good. And uh, our one of our villains from the last movie, Commodore Norrington. And he shows up completely drunk and gives his sob story about how uh, Jack ruined his life. He has resigned his commission. Uh, he drove he his ship into a hurricane and lost the ship and all the crew to catch trying Jack. to get Jack right? and the Black Pearl. Again, this happened between the two films because this never happened in the first film. Yeah. So, yeah, Norrington is at the lowest of the low. He has lost everything. So what else does he have to do but join up with the very pirate he he was going after to begin with? Granted, it may, he makes it very obvious at the beginning he's only joined the crew because he wants to kill Jack. And he... He tries to kill Jack almost immediately, but it starts a bar fight. <laughs> because, of course, it's a bar. It's Tortuga. It's a bar fight. But well, that's get... kind of when Elizabeth shows up and ends up joining the bar fight, and she takes out Norrington pretty easily. And she says, I wanted to do that myself. On one hand, she knows that Norrington is useful, so she doesn't want him dead. But on the second, second level, she's been wanting to do this since the first film. I mean, Norrington was not the best guy in the first film. Yeah. He is an entire satchel full of Richards. Remember, but... Norrington is Elizabeth's ex-fiance that is very much at least 10 to 15 years older than her. Yeah, he knew her when she was a child. And wanted to marry her. And wanted to marry her. Uh, So... Meanwhile, Will has been captured by the Flying Dustman. <laughs> yeah, because Jack kind of uh, traded him to Davy Jones. Uh, Will is not having the best of time on the Flying Dutchman, uh, of course. But the problem is, is that while they are mistreating him, he's not dead or dying. And he hasn't sworn servitude to the Flying Dutchman. So Davy Jones really doesn't have power over him necessarily he can technically leave but he's there to find the key and he also realizes that one of the people there is his father and that makes it that becomes his new mission is he wants to rescue his father from servitude to davy jones and the only way to do that is to kill davy jones and the only way to do that is to stab the heart. The only way to get the heart is to get the key. Yeah. And he sees a couple of the sailors playing a dice game called Liar's Dice. And he asks his dad about the rules and everything. And he says, wait, so you can challenge anybody on the ship? And he says, yeah. And Will immediately shouts, I challenge Davy Jones. Cajones, boy. That's some cojones, <laughs> Mr. Turner. Yeah, and... But he doesn't play to win. He even says it. I didn't play to win. I just needed to know where the key was. Except, uh, he doesn't tell his dad his plan. Because why would he? It's the father he's really never known. Um, he doesn't 
know what side his dad's on, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, and he sits down to challenge, and he challenges him an eternity of servitude, not just the hundred years, eternity, in exchange for the key. And Davy Jones shows that he has the key around his neck, hidden under his tentacles, as proof. Mm-hmm. And they start to play the game. And before the game starts, Bootstrap oh. Bill throws his dice in and wagers the exact same thing. And Will says, why did you do that? And Bill says, well, the die's been cast. Yeah, he said, I, I, I'm not going to have my son do this. Soon. But... Even if Will lost and Bootstrap Bill didn't put a dice in, yeah, eternity of servitude. But the minute he gets the key, the minute he gets the chest, the minute he kills Davy Jones, he's no longer in servitude to him anymore. No matter how long it takes, he was going to find a way to kill Davy Jones. Yeah. But again, Bootstrap didn't know that. So now Bootstrap throws the game. Saying, you know, uh, saying that he has a winning hand when he doesn't. And and he throws, he basically throws an impossible hand is the other thing. So it's six dice. You have to say how many of your dice are going to have the same number. He throws the impossible hand of six, five dice, fives on top on the dice, which again, an impossible card to play. He loses the game. And has an eternity of servitude. He even says uh, to Will, uh, the next time we get to port, it, because uh, nice little joke there because he can't touch port, uh, you're free to go. So because- uh, Bootstrap and, and Will uh, come up with a plan. Uh, Will goes and steals the key in a in a nice little scene as Davy Jones is sleeping next to his giant pipe organ which i love i love the pipe organ music in this movie um it's really nice and gothic and i i really love it um and the pipe organ music does have symbol but we won't find that out till the third movie yeah um but you know it's a really kind of tense scene as he's trying to use all these little you know quills and stuff to pull up the tentacles and to get the key and everything and Bill uh, helps him escape and gives Will a little knife which becomes important later it's uh, his knife it's, it's bootstrap yeah. Bill gives him his knife yeah and saying you know, uh, you know I didn't want this for you but it's it's something you know something to to help you survive and he says I'm going to stab Davy Jones in the heart with this knife but I uh, you know he's Will says like they're gonna know you helped me and he's like well what can they do to me you know he already has an eternity of servitude yeah there's nothing else they can take from him you know Will Will escapes he ends up on that ship that Elizabeth was on earlier, that she, you know, did the thing with the dress and all that. But Davy Jones sends the Kraken and all those dudes 
die except for Will. Because you've been able to escape. Yeah. Um, boy, it's nice to have main character plot armor in it. Yep. He ends Meanwhile, up. Go ahead. He, he ends up hiding back aboard the Flying Dutchman with nobody seeing him, which is weird because like the entire ship is made out of like old crew members. Yeah, when you're part of the crew, you're literally part of the ship. It's weird that like none of those crew members that are kind of like merged into the ship are like, "Hey, Will's here," you know. Um, but he hides aboard the ship, and Davy Jones figures like, "Well, they're they're going to where I'm. I've hidden the chest." that holds my heart let's just beat them there you know they're bound to show up there eventually so let's just go wait for them there so which is exactly where will wants to go yeah meanwhile Uh, back on tortuga uh jack gives the compass to elizabeth because it's not working for him maybe it'll work for elizabeth and it does it tells him exactly where to go to get to the chest yeah, he tells Elizabeth that, you know, hey, this finding this chest is the one way to control Davy Jones and make him give Will back. And she believes Jack, even though Norrington is like, you really believe this guy? He'll say anything to save his skin. But Elizabeth knows better. So she believes Jack and that Compass believes her so they all end up on this tiny little island there is a see there's a couple of mm, there's a moment here where elizabeth tests jack to kind of make a move on her to see if he's really a good man or not and he stops only because he sees that the black spot in his hand is getting bigger. Which means the Kraken is getting closer. But Elizabeth doesn't know that. And just thinks that, oh, Jack's just being a good dude by not making any moves on me when I'm trying to make him make a move on me. Uh, I, I, mm, I get where, what Elizabeth is trying to do, but it doesn't, it's not, mm, doesn't make Elizabeth end up in the best light in this one. Yeah. Especially after Norrington says, hey, uh, how did Will get on that ship in the first place? Which leads Elizabeth to looking at the compass and it points to Jack. Yeah. Almost like, yeah, I I freaking knew Jack had to do had something to do with that. They all end up on this this island. They end up finding the chest. Uh Norrington is surprised to realize that like Jack was telling the truth, to which I do like Jack's response that I generally tell the truth, and yet it seems to surprise people every time. But they get the chest. Will shows up because the the Dutchman has shown up, uh, although it is hiding. Yeah, we have the the Dutchman can go underwater. Granted, it's a supernatural boat, but yeah. And all of the people on there are dead undead between life and 
death, you know. So and most of them are fish people at this point. But the the scene of the of the Dutchman going down, uh, submerging, is a great, beautifully done. Yeah, really it's, cool just, effects. Especially when you see some of the crew members are hanging on to the mast so they don't fling off because this is not a submarine. The three men, uh, Jack, Will, and Norrington, uh, all deciding that they want the chest for their own particular purposes causes a sword fight between the three. Although Elizabeth is saying, like, hey, can we not fight? You acting like children. Uh, hello. Doesn't stop them. She even fa- uh, pretends to faint because at least that would get Will's attention. Doesn't, though. Doesn't. Does the uh, Pintel and Rigetti are like, uh, hey, let's just steal the chest because that's got to be important, right? Which causes Elizabeth to go after them. Uh, and the uh, Flying Dutchman crew, who can walk on land, uh, unlike Davy Jones, pop up from the ocean and are like, uh, let's go get the chest. Um, so they start chasing after Pintel, Rigetti, and Elizabeth. And so we get this really complicated scene where the three men are fighting over the key and the crew and Elizabeth and Pintel and Rigetti are fighting over the chest. Beautifully choreographed. Extremely well choreographed scene. Um, we've got two sword fights going on featuring multiple people. Elizabeth is fighting off the crew with two swords. Yeah, and keeps switching off with Pintel and Rigetti, you know, uh, sw- switching swords back and forth as they fight off the crew. It's really, really well done. Um, I don't actually know who the fight choreographer was for the film, but really, really well done. Um, very complex and very hard to to keep control of, but eventually Jack ends up with the key and the chest, and is able to open it and remove the heart, and close the chest back and run away. And he puts it in the jar of dirt. Yeah, he hides it in the jar of dirt, um, inside the the rowboat, and returns to the larger fight. Which is um, enough for Norrington to uh, grab the pardon, grab the heart, and feign being a hero. Like, Elizabeth, get out of here. I'll take care of them all. Yeah, he grabs the empty chest and runs away with it and gets the crew to the crew of the Dutchman to follow him. Um, at which point they corner him and he goes like, oh, you want the chest? Here, take it. And just throws it to him and runs away. And they're like, oh, we got the chest. Uh, okay, screw it. We don't need the dude. Yeah. But as we saw, the, the chest is empty because Jack switched it into the jar of dirt. But later we see the jar of dirt is empty. And Jack Nor- is like, oh, I am I am screwed. <laughs> <laughs> because now Norrington switched it. Norrington has the heart. And has taken it to Beckett in exchange for a full pardon. Yeah. Um, although we don't we don't see that until the, the very, very end of the movie. Um 
Jack and uh, all this, of our heroes. Yeah, this it, it, this is the climax of the movie at this point. Yeah, Jack and all of our heroes uh, thinking that they have the heart, or at least Jack thinking he has the heart, um, run from the Flying Dutchman in the Pearl. Uh, but Jack is still marked with the black spot and the Kraken is giving chase. This is uh, where the Jar of Dirt falls and Jack finds out that the heart is not inside it. Yeah, so Jack has no way to control Davy Jones and he realizes he's screwed. The and Kraken begins to uh, attack the Pearl and Jack gets into a boat and runs away. Because of course he does. <laughs> because of course he does. Um, the rest of the crew starts to fight the Kraken. Uh, will has seen the Kraken attack before and knows kind of what it will do. So Will starts to lead the counterattack. And it's mostly working. At least it's buying them some time. Although they do lose a lot of the unnamed crew. Um, and they've lost all of the other lifeboats except for the one that Jack is in. Eventually Jack does come back, though. Yeah, Jack does come back because he looks at the at the uh, compass and the compass tells him, like, no, you, you want to go back to the Pearl. Yeah. And Jack returns and everybody's like, yay, Jack's back. And Jack wounds the Kraken enough that it leaves the boat alone for a while. But Elizabeth realizes the Kraken doesn't want the ship. The Kraken just wants Jack. So they call for a abandoned ship. Even Jack, uh, Jack in a very surprised moment said, it's just a ship. Everybody get out. And as everybody's getting into the ship, Elizabeth does possibly the coolest thing she does in the entire series. It's also the coldest thing she's ever done in the entire series. Yep. She finally gives Jack that big old smoocheroo he's been wanting. For the last two movies. <laughs> yep. And she just lays it on him, which Will sees as he's loading into the boat. Um, And she just backs him right into the mast. And shackles him. <laughs> and shackles him right to the mast. Of course, Will's getting the wrong idea because he thinks Elizabeth is in love with Jack. But she only kissed him to distract him enough to shackle him. Yeah, and she tells him, I figured it out. It only wants you. It doesn't want us or the boat. Just you. If If you're here, we can get away. And Jack smiles and he says, wow, pirate. He's <laughs> impressed. You're a, you're a pirate, girl. Go. That's 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 cold. That is, is a cold pirate. He's legitimately impressed that she had it in her to do that. I mean, come on. Getting getting shackled to a post is worth getting making out with a Kiera Knightley. <laughs> But she, she says, she oh, turns uh, and she lies to the crew. Jack is going to stay behind so that we can escape. All while he's panicking and trying to break the shackles and get his hand out. 
And he does. He's able to put lamp oil on it and slick it up enough to get his hand out of the, the shackle. But right as the Kraken comes back, and there's kind of a cool moment where the Kraken uh, spits up the hat, Jack's hat that it ate earlier in the movie. And Jack looks at it, puts on his hat, grabs his sword, and is like, all right, let's do this. It's probably one of the most badass moments Jack Sparrow has in the, in this entire series of movies. Yes, yeah, he just kind of jumps down the Kraken's throat with his sword to to meet his fate. Because really, at this point, he has no other choice. He's going to die regardless. Might as well die with a little dignity. And uh, the rest of the the rest of the cast watches from the from the longboat as the the ship goes down to the to the Kraken. The Black Pearl be no more. Yep. The uh, we see on and on the uh, Flying Dutchman that uh, Davy Jones says, "Hey, I just I just want to look at my heart. Bring me the chest." They bring him the chest. He opens it. It is empty, and he goes, "Jack Sparrow." So in 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 Davy Jones's mind at this point in the movie, yes, he killed Jack Sparrow. He's dead, but in the end. Jack still won. Yeah. Um, the heart. Yeah, Jack got the heart, um, but he doesn't know where it is. Of course, we know where it is. It's now with Beckett. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the rest of the crew ends up back at Tia Dalma's. Tia Dalma gives them, you know, a drink. They toast to Jack, although Will gives Elizabeth the side eye as she says something nice about Jack because now he's like oh you're in love with Jack um and Tia Dalma says would you go to the end of the world for saving to save Jack or whatever so we get the name drop for the next film and they said oh yeah we'll we'll go if there's a way to save jack we'll do it and they all make a pact to save jack and she says well you're gonna need a guide and we hear you know boots on stairs and there's barbosa alive again yeah why is i remember seeing this in the now i do remember seeing this in the theater and the big shock of everyone as barbosa walks down the walks down the stairs and like, and eat the apple. It's it. There were people cheering the apple moment because that was a big thing in the last movie that he couldn't even eat anything. And now here's this apple, chomping on that, enjoying the taste of that great, great apple with Jack the monkey on his shoulder as uh, the movie ends and we uh, we set up for the third movie coming out the next year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that that's. That's where we where we leave it, you know. Jack is dead, although we're promised he's not dead. You know, it, it, they immediately undercut it by we're gonna go just save Jack Sparrow. Yeah, because they don't they don't want you to think that there's a reason not to go see the third movie. People have learned after the Transformers movie when you kill off one of your main characters like that. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's Pirates of the Caribbean, a dead man's chest. Really half a movie, honestly, despite it being two and a half hours. Yeah, this this was a long, long movie. I had forgotten how long this movie was. Like, there are movies that are two and a half hours that you can sit through and it'll go by like that. Like, I can sit through Avengers Endgame and that's three hours. And those three hours can fly by. This one kind of doesn't. This one, you feel every second of this movie. Especially that first act. Yeah. That first act crawls. So, you gotta, you gotta wonder, though. Gotta ask the question. Tuesday, does this one have the magic? I think so. Again, despite this being set up for another movie, there's still some good moments in this movie. And really, you have to watch both movies together. And we'll get to the third movie in a year. But yeah, I'm going to say yes, but it does take a while to actually start up. Yeah, once you get into the actual meat of the movie there's magic and it stops at just enough of a point after it really gets going that you kind of do want more even again even though this is a two and a half hour movie even though it takes forever to get going when you see Barbosa walking down those stairs you're ready for the next chapter of this story yeah, I th- honestly, I think once you've seen the movie the first time, there should be a skip exposition segment, or maybe there needs to be like a a fan edit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That that kind of cuts out some of the superfluous stuff. I see it. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. Like the opening hour can be cut down to at least less than thirty minutes, and you really won't miss anything. Yeah, that whole kind of setup with Beckett really just needs to be like fifteen minutes. Or could there be, like, a three-hour edit of the two movies together or something? Maybe. I I don't know, because it's been a while since I've seen the third movie. So, you know, maybe I'll I'll wait for my rewatch of the... Um, As as we're we're filming this uh, before actual uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day... Uh, I'm. I might actually enjoy my my for real talk like about our day. Uh, by you know binging the rest of the rest of the films. Uh, hey, it's a good way. It's a good thing to do on uh, on talk like about our day. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. We'll see how that that turns out for me. But uh, I I might just kind of go. Uh, do a binge and see how it kind of flows the, the for the rest of the the series mm. but I, you know 
yeah, there's a there's a lot of it that it just feels like you could kind of cut it down and get to the good parts. Yeah. I might I might just want a fed a fan edit of the Pirates of the Caribbean the good parts edition. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Let's move on to next week. We are going to be doing our first Disney Channel original movie. This is something we have been talking about off off uh, off mic for a while and how are we going to handle the DCOMs? Because most of the DCOMs uh, actually uh, came about after we were out of that age group. And uh, you yourself, Kiki, did not have the Disney Channel during those early years of these DCOMs. So we're going to go to Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, which really is the only DCOM I actually remember watching uh, because my niece was obsessed with this movie. Yeah, a lot of my friends are also obsessed with this movie. It's another one that passed me by, so this one's going to be a first watch instead of a rewatch for me. Um, but it's kind of come highly recommended from a lot of you, so I'm looking forward to it. If you're a DCOM fan, come on back and uh, hear us discuss Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. And uh, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Happy Talk Like a Pirate Day! Arr! Jack Nicholson's an actor, and Jack Black, he rocks for laughs. Jack Skellington's the Pumpkin King, with jolly epitaphs. Bruce Campbell played Jack Styles, who was the Jack of all trades. And Jackie Chan did his own stunts while juggling live grenades. <laughs> all of these jacks, beloved, they all go the straight and narrow. But none of these jacks holds a candle to Captain Jack Sparrow! Savvy. Play those drums, you pepper and percussionist! Pound of land, pound of! The pirates of the Caribbean sail the ocean blue. Led by Captain Barbosa and his own skeleton crew. They ransacked old Port Royal and they took a gold doubloon. So that they could break the curse and see their skin under the moon. When Jack had met Will Turner, he knew he was Bootstrap's son. So he broke out to guide him like a drunken only one. Will Turner saved his girlfriend and they broke the Aztec curse. And we summarized the whole damn film in just one leading verse. Yeah, it got two pegs up. <laughs> when young Miss Watson by the side, that's when no rings to do. Despite he had the wedding day, his coupling days were through. The pearl in the horizon, and there was no looking back. If you've never seen the movie, then you don't know Jack. Don't pop the mic on bootlegging this song. Are you going to sell it here? Yeah, I'm going to burn it out of a CDR. <laughs> I frequent the cantinas, drinking up between ordeals. But I dislike when cannibals invite me to their meals. Aboard the Flying Dutchman, after seeing every griever, I took one look at Davy Jones and said, I'm a believer! <laughs> Meanwhile, Will and his leggy lass became a bride and groom. 
decided he would help him elf, and then he lowered the bloom. He took Elizabeth to town, though it may seem unsightly. Now everyone in Royal knows who does Kiera Knightley. <laughs> I'd buy that for a shilling, yeah. So come on all and sing a song about our favorite crook. He's sure not finding Neverland, but at least we got a hook. Go walk the plank and take a dap and just ignore his back. If you think that he's on Wonka, then you don't know Jack. Ah, this singing is horrible. What key is this song in? I don't know. The dog's got the key. Come on. I met a buxom bar witch whose husband was laid to rest. So I decided to help myself to that dead man's chest. She said, back off, you scallywag, which was to my dismay. But soon after, I taught to her the meaning of parlay. Once Pintel and Rigetti looked depressed to my surprise. They fancied Barney Poppins, who had caught their working eyes. They asked me, how do you get pleasurable company? I just say, yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me! I've got a fast pass for you, lads. From Orlando to Anaheim, he'll take you for a ride. So you just remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside. Forget the flash photography and enjoy the attack of a hundred looting robots here that all go shack. Why is the rock gone? Cause we're in a Disney park! One royal to Tortuga, all the scrubbers he will woo. Across the squeaky Richards and that cook that he'll appeal. He's golden on the silver screen while you enjoy your snack. And if you don't know the code, well then you don't know Jack. Forget leverage, I want cleaverage. Remember, dead men get no tail! You don't know Jack! Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.